0: What's up everyone and welcome back to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Elliott, and I am pumped today. We're excited. We're going to be diving deep into the BRRRR strategy. So that's B-R-R-R and one more R. So it stands for buy, renovate, rent, refinance, and repeat. This is my... Special strategy that I love. It's not something I came up with. It's been around forever. I think bigger pockets like coined it, the Burr strategy, but it's been around forever. It's the typical investor play of buying a distressed asset, uh, forced appreciation by adding value to it, and then instead of flipping it and cashing out one time to get a lump sum payment, you're getting a refinance on it and having little to no money, ideally, into the deal. And in even some situations, some of us are walking away with cash in our pockets. All of this is remodeled, so we don't need to worry about it. It's rented out. The mortgage taxes, insurance, it's all low, and it rents out for a lot more. So there's a lot of power behind that. And that's literally the strategy that helped us get financial freedom. But today, we're going to be diving in with Brett. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? What's up, Brandon? I'm doing good. Dude, I'm so excited to have you on here. I know you got a, a lot of experience and there's a lot of power with doing the birth strategy. So uh, for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, do you mind just diving into who you are, where you're from, and exactly what you're doing?
1: Yeah, so I'm Brett, uh, Brett Beeman. I am in the Raleigh market um, in North Carolina. Uh, we typically do work in Wake, Durham, Johnson, and Franklin counties, which are right around Raleigh. And I was born and raised here. My family was in real estate. It goes back, like, I think my great-grandfather did something. My grandfather had rentals and office buildings and a realty company. My dad builds luxury homes in the area and had rental properties. So it's pretty much been around me my whole life. And I always knew I wanted rentals. I just wasn't sure how I was going to get there. And, you know, the path has just kind of led this way. You know, it was real quick before... Uh, before doing real estate I was actually a physical therapist I went to physical therapy school I still do that a couple of days a week but I spend the majority of my time working in real estate I had one of those uh, real estate investing education companies come through and was it five years ago now Signed up with them and it's it was a um, it, it was a struggle to start but we got to the point now where it's rolling and um, Started uh, flipping houses and eventually brought in the burst strategy. Now that's uh, that's pretty much what I'm doing. I'm flipping houses and I have a um, uh, a formula. And if any of the properties that I get, they're they're all flips. If any of them fit my criteria for the bar strategy, they become a a birth. They become a rental.
0: I love that. So let's talk about the strategy for a second. But first and foremost, like. I guess the reason why you jumped into real estate was because you had family that uh, it made sense. So you got a little bit of that familiar feeling to it.
1: Yeah, so it was honestly, I was, I was gung ho with physical therapy and doing physical therapy. And while I was in PT school, I had a buddy that gave me that Rich Dad Poor Dad book. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it's so popular in, in the real estate world. Yeah. Changed my view on life and finances and money and from that point on, he gave me that book and he gave me one about investing in duplexes, triplexes and quads. And yeah. those two at the same time and Boom. off and set. Yep. Lit that fire under me. I love it. So you said it
0: took a little bit of time in the beginning. What, what do you think? Why was there struggles in the beginning?
1: Um, so there were struggles in the beginning when I started the business. The sure. I did of PT school was buy a duplex. Um, you know, basically house hack it, fix up one side, move into it and rent out the other side. Yeah. Um, but when I put the business together, you know, they have those companies that come in and they charge tens of thousands of dollars and you sign up with them and they tell you you can make so much money in real estate. And I didn't make, I didn't make a dime for 18 months after doing that.
0: And you were um, working consecutively like every day trying to figure this out?
1: Yeah, so I was um, doing physical therapy at the same time, not full-time. Okay. Uh, sometimes three, four days a week. But the rest of my time, my nights, my weekends was spent trying to do what they were telling me to do, trying to find deals. Sure. Um, the biggest I – I got leads. Uh, I did all the marketing, did what I was supposed to. I yeah. got leads. Uh, but it was pretty much just just a learning curve. It, I, I remember – I got calls the first time I put out bandit signs. And if I got those calls today, I'd close those deals in a heartbeat. But of course. What I was doing, yeah. I had to learn. And I guess I'm stubborn. I don't know. I just... Persistent. Yeah. I, <laughs> persistent. Uh, I, you know, I was scared. I had fears. I had doubts. And, I, you know, I would second guess things. And, 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 and you know, I missed a lot of deals that way. Okay. I learned today I'd, I'd take down those deals in a heartbeat. Yeah.
0: So for somebody brand new, just getting started out, this can kind of resonate with them. Like they see it on TV. They see some people on social media crushing it. They have some big company coming to their town and say like, Hey, join our group, you know, spend 50 grand, 20 grand, whatever. And we'll teach you everything you need to know. you will you'll be rich before you know it. They have the systems in place. Like these guys are doing it actively. There's plenty of successful people within the company but as far as that overnight uh, hitting all your goals type of thing, it's not going to it's not going to actually pan out like that. But just like you said, like you were doing everything it took, I'm still kind of part time because you had to pay off this bill, <laughs> and you still needed to live. But as you're transitioning out of the full time type of situation with your job, you're doing everything it takes, and then you're still getting leads. You just weren't totally experienced so like you have to go through the learning curves in the beginning to actually persistence just playing the numbers game and then now you're more experienced so you have a lot more power to close any of those previous deals that you had in the past
1: right and you know big thing is learning and not just learning the business and learning how to do things but it was um i mean the biggest things were fear because i i i my whole life i hated talking on the phone couldn't stand it. And, and so and talking on the phone to people I'd never met, trying to get them to give me their house for 60, 50, 60% of what it's worth. That was way outside my comfort zone. Sure. That, and then, you know, mindset, just get in your mind, right? Because when, you know, I was so scared of talking to people on the phone and making those offers that when leads came in, you know, I would do all my research on them. And I got to the point where I was looking for reasons to not call these people, looking for <laughs> that the deal wouldn't work. Yeah. So that's pretty uh,
0: introvert, right? Totally out of your comfort yeah. zone, not trying to do that whatsoever and look how far you've come to actually push out outside of that. If you don't mind, if you could like throw out some, I guess, stats of how many deals have you done? I know you do fix and flips currently still, or is that just in the past?
1: So all my marketing, everything is for a fix and flip. Sure. Looking to flip properties. If it meets my criteria for the burst strategy, at the end of the day, it's going to cash flow what I want without putting too much of my own cash into the deal. Yeah, then, then we're good. It's it's going to be a burr. The to this day, I you know I have to look back at my spreadsheet. I'm probably forty to fifty deals done somewhere in there. But you know that that's everything. That's burr. That's wholesales. That's flips. But I'm on pace to do just about thirty deals this year. So 2019.
0: Love it. Love it. I love the growth. So how many years have you been doing it now?
1: Started the business in 2014. Didn't have any real success until 2016. And I think I did two deals that year. I did, what, four in 2017. I did 10 last year. And I set a goal to do 18 this year, which I figured just one and a half a month so I could do that. And then the first three months were great, so I upped that goal to 30.
0: I love it. So you said you talked about formulas for a second. And obviously, the main goal right up front is does this work for fix and flip? If it does, then let's crunch the numbers a little bit more. If it's really a home run, can I get the numbers to work for a burr? And what you would like to see every month for cash flow? Do you mind just going into that formula and what your your mindset looks like on breaking down those numbers?
1: Yeah, so I know that the banks, the banks that I have contact with will refinance properties 75% of their appraised value. Sure. So that's where everything starts. And i Now, with the banks, sorry to cut you off, but with the banks, because this is very
0: crucial, are you using those big, huge banks? Or are you using the small local ones?
1: No, 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 no. I, all, I use the small local ones. Um, yes. So I'll give, I'll give you my tip on how to find those.
0: Yeah, there's magic within the small local banks. There really
1: is. So I don't even remember where I got this from, but if you go to the FDIC website, they they it's uh, federal insurance for for banks. If you go to the FDIC website, there's a place where you can search institutions. Um let me I actually have it pulled up. Let me look at it real quick. Um, so if you search the institutions, then I, I'll do it right here. I'll do it live. Um, So if you go to the FDIC website and you can search for banks, the first thing that I do is I set the state. So I'm in North Carolina. Do you want to share it? Uh, Share the video? Yeah. Share the screen? Yeah, let's
0: do that. We'll deliver today. Give the most value for people.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, Can you see mine? Yes, sir. All right. So we go to the FDIC website and first thing – um, you can search the, the directory, you can see up here, um, searching the bank data, bank statistics. And the first thing I do is I hit, I go down here, go to my state, North Carolina, and I hit search.
0: Because they can do w- statewide, you don't need exactly that little
1: area. Right. Um, and then what you're gonna do is I sort by the total assets. So, um us where to go. I guess it might already be set. Uh, okay, go to criteria up here, and then we're gonna come all the way down to the bottom, size of performance, research for total assets, and, I, and you can set that however you want. You can see the list of he, over here of the banks that are there, they're in North Carolina. And let's we'll start off with just $500 million in assets. And search that. You said 500 million? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Hold on. We're going to search equal to or less than $500 million in assets. And that's just a good, good starting point. Now, why, why is that? Um, that sounds like an aggressive number, but. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at banks, and sure. you look at this here, they've got, some of these have billions and hundreds of billions of dollars in assets, but start where you can start with, I start with 500 million and I see there's 30 institutions in North Carolina found. So you can always play with that number to get, you know, the 10, 15, 20, 30 banks. And you got your list here. And then I actually put together a spreadsheet a while back. I took a list of those banks. And you, honestly, you just call them up, talk to the person who um, – talk to a mortgage broker, yep. somebody who handles mortgages. And I asked them – obviously, the first thing I asked them is, do they hold any loans? Are they, they have any portfolio loans? Or do they sell everything on the secondary market to Fannie and Freddie? Um, because if they sell them to Fannie and Freddie, then they have to conform, and those are going to be a little bit harder to get uh, or, or a little bit.
0: Uh, it's like cookie cutter. If it doesn't fit within their exact uh, criteria, then there's no way that they're going to judge the property or, or judge you in a better fashion to kind of – molded into that way to make it work.
1: Yeah, you got it. So you also want to ask how much they will refinance. So I tell them exactly what I do. I tell yeah. them I have my properties with private money. I fix them up. I buy them at a discount. I fix them up. I put a tenant in there. I rent it out. And then what I want to do is I want to refinance my private investor out of the property. And I want to put a bank loan on this property. Yep. Amortized for as long as possible. Um, a lot of the smaller banks, the ones that hold their loans, their portfolio loans, a lot of the ones I've found are, will amortize to 20, sometimes sometimes 25 years. But, you know, I'll, I'll take what I can get. So yeah. I tell them exactly what I'm doing and I ask them, how much will they refinance me? Are they going to refinance 75% of the value? Are they going to refinance 80%? And I also ask them, are they since, you know, if I've, I've bought these properties maybe four, six months ago, are they going to do an appraisal and refinance me on the appraised value of the property? Or since I haven't held it that long, are they going to look back at my purchase price and value 75% of the purchase price? So that, that's one issue that I've run into.
0: Yeah. Same okay. here.
1: <laughs>
0: Same here, buddy. <laughs> that's a pain that's in the ass. Really uh, sometimes is. even just having to rely on an appraiser as well. I mean, you can have 10 different appraisers and you can get a different uh, number from every single one. Sometimes it's it's a crazy yeah. situation out there.
1: Yeah. And then um, I also asked them about their seasoning requirement. So some banks won't refinance a loan. They won't refinance a loan unless you've had it and you've paid those mortgages for six months, sometimes 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. So- Always ask that to – and then you know I ask them where they lend because one of the banks I use will only lend in that county that they're in, and then the counties surrounding that one. Sure.
0: Yeah. So,
1: okay. Brett, anything else on
0: here? Say it again. Any anything else you want to cover on uh, on this website? Um. No. no I mean, list the yeah. bank this is powerful. This is super powerful. I've never seen this. So this is going to be something that I'm going to de- definitely take advantage of. I mean, it's huge. I love it. Yeah. Um,
1: and a lot of those smaller banks, they'll also do some commercial loans as well. And I've found that I haven't done one of these yet, but the folks that I've been talking to in the past have given me some pretty good information that if you get, if I get three, four or five of these portfolio loans with them, then eventually I can refinance them all into one big, Umbrella commercial one. And though I've seen some better terms with that.
0: Yeah, I love that. And just more organized. I mean, all under one, it, it would probably make it just a little bit easier.
1: And if it increases my cash flow, I mean, I don't plan on selling these.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Do you have an exit plan at all for any of your properties?
1: I prefer to hold everything. Yeah. You have to sell some of these flips to keep the money coming in. Sure. I've, everything that I have as a rental, I want to hold on to forever.
0: Okay. I love it. Do you mind exiting out of this one just so we get back to, yeah, cool. So your strategy basically build these relationships with these banks, reach out to every single one and ask. go down the list of the criteria, be real upfront and blunt with them. Tell them exactly what your plans, your goals, your vision is and see how they can work with you. If they can, cool. If not, who do you recommend that can
1: Yeah. And I always ask the folks there if they know somebody or have a contact who can help me with this. Cause I love it. Banks where they said, where I didn't ask them and they just came out and said, that's not really something we do, but here, talk to this guy. Always. I love that.
0: If you ever get denied and you keep pushing forward and they're still like, sorry, we just can't help you. Totally. Okay. But who do you know that can? That's it. I love that. Cool. So that's how you build the relationships with the banks. And then after you know who's going to be your end cash out refinance person, what are the formulas that you're kind of diving into to make sure we just went down like a rabbit hole a little bit of, <laughs> uh, of the banking, but it is so, so crucial. I literally flew out to Ohio and spent a whole week out there with a business partner Meeting up with nothing but bankers, like local and if I would have known this website, it would have been a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. But there's power behind doing it in person as well. But yes, I, I thank you so much for that website. That's huge. Getting back to the formulas, what what do you kind of look for and break down within your local area?
1: I've gotten more used to the rates and kind of I can kind of ballpark where my mortgages are gonna be. Nowadays, if I have a three bedroom in the area, I'm going to want the 75% of ARV number to be pretty much under 120,000. Yeah. Be all in under 120,000. I know that this might work for the BRRRR strategy. Sure. I keep a mortgage calculator app on my phone where you can plug in the estimated mortgage, taxes, insurance, the, the rate, and the amortization over how many years and that'll give you a rough estimate of what your mortgage payment's going to be. And then honestly, you just compare your mortgage payment to what do you think the rent will be. And you can look the rent up on Zillow. You can look the rent up on rent- Rentometer. Yep. Um, I'll even look at the other rentals in the area on Zillow. It's so like Right now, I've got a two-bedroom, and I'm pretty sure I can rent it between 1100 1150 a month. We're getting ready to advertise that for rent in the next week so i look up the other two bedroom air, uh, rentals in that area and see what they rent for so if you compare your mortgage to your rent and i typically look for 400 450 500 uh net cash flow yep month. and that's and if that works then i i know we got one
0: yeah yeah i think there's some power in like trying to figure out what it will truly rent for in the certain neighborhood stuff like that is looking online seeing if there's any other comparable rentals and what it's listed for, and then also reaching out to property uh, management companies, asking them, "Hey, what what are these renting for, or what would you believe my property could potentially rent for?" Um, and then kind <clears> of <throat> kind of going in that aspect um, to see if if this actually is a good fit to to figure out the true numbers behind it. Jumping on uh, to figure out what like Renometer or reaching out to property management companies in the area, or just simply Googling, you know, what other properties are renting out for that will help out tremendously figuring out your area. Have you always just wanted to work in your backyard? Me personally, the burst strategy doesn't work out here in San Diego. So I had to figure out Ohio made sense to me and certain websites that I utilize to be able to figure out that location, get the statistics and all that or like citydata.com. That helped me out tremendously. There's...
1: Tell me about citydata.com.
0: Yeah, so all four of these, they're, they're very similar, but I like using citydata.com. There's also bestplaces.net. There's census.gov. And then there's usa.com. And all these places basically give statistics, uh, crime as well, and every everything that you need that shows the previous statistics of the last years going back and then also has predictions of the future. But you're going to have to look at history as well and never look at the pro forma and really um, know your area and what potentially, what kind of big businesses might be coming there, what, what are in negotiations, stuff like that to figure out what the true projections might be. So there's a lot of power in those websites that help me personally figure out the location. And I believe it, there's always like steps to this to, to be able to, to complete the birth strategy. And like first one is figuring out your strategy. There's 37 plus ways to make money in real estate. Like the list goes on, but if you pick the birth strategy, then cool. Then figure out your location. And then next, I always recommend people to just build relationships like crazy in the area. So you get a lot of people
1: sending you deals. How are you getting your leads? So I do my own marketing. It's like I said, everything's a flip. I'm looking for flips. Yeah, um, I do my own marketing and I get uh, leads from wholesalers. And every now and then, I have agents bringing me deals. So with your own marketing, is that like direct mail or bandit signs or so cold calling? Used to do bandit signs. I got yeah, yeah. my garage. I don't know what I'm going to do with. I still I, got I, signs in my in my trunk right now. <laughs> I need to put those in. At every property that I'm flipping, that's what sure. I mean. used to do. Bandit signs, I do um, direct mail. Yeah, uh, we have we try to have some direct mail going out every single week. Love it. Uh, cold calling, and then you know I do um, Facebook and Instagram. I, I post. Yeah, I, I have a VA. with have social media system set up, so we have yep. about out just about every day, and I just share those, and I've gotten a few leads from that as well.
0: I love it. I love it. I mean, hitting all different avenues, letting people know exactly what you're doing and then the leads start coming in, then all you need to do is just start submitting offers, playing the numbers game, start submitting offers. And as long as you have enough leads coming in and you're, how many offers are you submitting on a week?
1: Honestly, it's for the amount of deals, the amount of deals that I get, it's really not much. I really, I I, love that. I might get 10 offers out a week, maybe. That's Uh, great. So that's some really good, powerful
0: Leads that you're getting, then, like you're getting motivated sellers.
1: Well, so I get folks that call, or call, or I get leads from my VA, and I ask them. I, I get, a, I want a number. For them. Yeah. I want how either how much they want for it or how much they think it's worth. Yeah. And you know, I'll do a real quick search because if they want market value or above market value for it, I, I'm not even gonna waste my time calling.
0: Sure. Yeah. I like that. Now, I don't know about your area, but there's something like. The the rule of thumb, the one, two, and three percent rule. Are you familiar with that?
1: Yeah. So I've heard. I don't really even look at that. But it, no? you think about the, it needs to rent for one percent. The monthly rent needs to be one percent of what you're what you pay for it. So basically, at the end of the day, however much money you have totally into the project.
0: Say you purchase it for fifty thousand. You put fifty thousand into it. You have a hundred thousand dollars totally tied up into the deal. Even though you'll get the money back, say you have a hundred thousand into it, and it rents out for let's say fourteen hundred per month after expenses, maintenance, uh, vacancies, property management, all all the above capital expenditures, it brings in a thousand per month cash flow. That would be one percent of the hundred thousand that you have into it per month. So a good rule of thumb that I shoot for is like two percent, which would be two thousand or 3,000 per month of whatever you have tied up into it. That's kind of a good rule of thumb to be able to see roughly in the beginning before you actually start really diving in, doing your due diligence, crunching the numbers to see, like, hey, is this going to work out? Because a 1% rule can really turn into like a a 0.5 before you know it. And then the numbers to me just don't make sense.
1: With the numbers you threw out, um, you're into it for 100,000, it rents for 1,400. The first thing I think about is how much is my mortgage going to be on a hundred thousand dollars, and I maybe six hundred, six hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus fourteen hundred, then that that cash flow is what seven hundred fifty dollars a month minus whatever your taxes, insurance, and expenses are going to be. Correct. And I figure that you know if it, the taxes, insurance, expenses, if that's less than what three hundred dollars a month, then you know I I should be good. I love that. Then I compare that hundred thousand to what the ARV is. All with my rentals, since I do this burst strategy with my rentals, I don't I don't look at putting ten percent down, fifteen percent down. I, I don't look at any of that. I look at how much the ARV is, how much I'm into it, and what's the rent.
0: Yeah, how much is it going to appraise for at the end of the day? How much is it totally worth? What the banks are going to look at, and then what's seventy-five uh, percent of that? Because that's what you can get, right? Are you doing 75 or are you putting a little buffer in there just in case I'm putting 70?
1: I'll do 75. I'll do 75. And what I will even say is that I don't want to put more than $5,000 out of my own pocket into it. So I have 75% plus 5,000 just because, you know, I can fill that $5,000 that I just put in. If I can put that back. If I cash flow $400 a month and I put $5,000 into it, that's 100% return on investment in the year.
0: Yeah. So let me just clarify. So with these remodels, you're not, this is a basic, like nothing, right? <laughs> like a like, couple little slabs of paint here and there and good to go. A little bit it of carpet.
1: It honestly just depends. It just depends on how okay. much you do it for.
0: So besides that, I guess each project is a little different. You've done about 50 at this point. So every, not everyone's going to be the same, but for your remodels, they're not like a full intensive type of remodel typically. Um, so with mine, everyone, mine personally have been pretty extensive remodels. A, a lot of it's paint, new flooring, but the bathrooms and kitchens typically getting gutted and remodeled, outside paint, curb appeal, some new roofs, some new decks, like stuff like that has been the, the typical for my projects. It's, it's amazing to see how much, if there's good, good structure in the deal. As far as like the bones of the, the property, it's amazing to see what you can actually do with just some good clean paint and some new flooring. And then afterwards, looking at your your total bathroom and kitchens, like those are what sell. So gutting those suckers, making it more modern, real like clean, and those are super, super powerful. So I recommend that. That's the type of structure I do. And then a little bit of curb appeal goes a, a long way. You know, putting money into the curb appeal that's what sells a home. That's what gets somebody like, it's the first impression. It's basically seeing somebody for the very first time meeting them. Like, like picture yourself meeting your significant other for the very first time. Like uh, you're judging them uh, naturally one way or the other. So it's the same thing on a property. And when you meet them, you're either going to like it or not right from the start. So if it's looking a little beat up, the inside's gorgeous, but the outside's like, ugh, and they don't even want to make it to the inside. Then that's, that's something that I would highly look out for brett what's up brother we, we got you oh, back glad to be back. <laughs> it's glad to be back awesome i love it so um any learning curves that you've been through like anything that really just like smacked the hell out of you oh
1: yeah, oh, yeah. this was um this was what last year i bought this property i had good comps in the area and it was like it was a 1600 square foot house we had 1100 square feet on the top and then the bottom was a finished basement and the tax record says 1,600 square feet. I was like, "Great, this is awesome." Um, I figured the ARV for it was like one, it was like 180, 185. Got through all the work, got through all the repairs, and when we went to get the appraisal, the appraisal came back at like 160 because they valued it as an 1,100 square foot house with a 500 square foot finished basement, which they gave me like a credit of like $5,000 for it or something, something awful. So yeah, that one, I had to come out, of, come out of pocket with a lot of money for that one. And the rate wasn't so good. So that's what I'll be looking to refinance soon. Yeah, man, I've, I've had
0: issues with appraisers several times, unfortunately. And that's just one of those things. It's kind of out of your control. I, I was using Vizio Lending and I was able to pick my lenders in the past. They just like just the other day, uh, change their format with that. They, we can't pick our appraisers, but we can still play around with it a little bit. If there's somebody that gets picked that and we know the appraiser and we don't like them, we can we can dismiss them a few times. Yeah, we just can't do like five or ten of them <laughs> like to try to cherry pick that one. But I've had mistakes with appraisers by not going out there, meeting them in person, trying to build a relationship. and certain people just have like a, a bad opinion about the neighborhood or some are just shitty at doing their job like I had one guy give me an appraisal on a three-bedroom house and for some reason he totally missed two of the bedrooms I'm like and he he judged it as a one-bedroom house (laughs) so the comps came back it delayed the whole process and I was like you gotta be kidding me right like what am I paying like I gotta pay for this and you're not you're holding up the whole Project. It was a crazy situation. And another example for uh, just a a bad appraisal. There was a project, a a triplex, going for fifty thousand. It was really distressed, beat up, had a bad history behind it. Like FBI got there and everything uh, from like a drug ring, like ten years previously, and uh, just bad history since then. So I came in, I got it for twenty thousand. I put seventy five into it, and it's worth. The comps are showing one hundred twenty five thousand. I got it appraised to cash out refi and they just a, a bad like he was the appraiser had a bad condensation of that area and uh and he was looking at the purchase price that I got it for and was like instead of looking at all the numbers and everything that I've truly done to the property and uh and appraised it for like 45,000 and I was uh, like that's not going to work <laughs> yeah I was like you got to be kidding me but he was given um, comparisons to, like, duplexes and distressed ones. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I guess the moral of this is, like, do your own due diligence, your own research, and try to help out a little bit in a, in a positive way by sending your own comps over to them. You don't want to kind of, like, push it on them, like, hey, I'm doing your job for you. They don't like that. <laughs> but it's all about how you deliver a message overall. Right.
1: I'll tell you – you can do this with rental properties, but I did the same thing with my primary residence. Bought it. It was honestly the same neighborhood as that one I just talked about. Yeah. When I buy a house in a neighborhood, I sent out a mailer to the whole neighborhood. Hand buying houses. I love it. And I got a call when I, after I bought that house. I got a call after I sent out that mailer. And the woman who owned this house had passed away. She yeah. had five heirs. They had issues with, um, with her will. And the heirs were mostly out of state. And they're like, "Hey, we need to we need to sell it," and I, I was like, well, "This is my dream house. It's where I want to be. It's got wow. a, I've got a barn, and like like a literal barn. It's like it's got like two thousand square feet. It's huge. I love like it. Five minutes from downtown. Um, but same thing there. Figured out the numbers, and if it's the primary residence, they'll refinance it at a higher rate. Yeah. So the numbers worked for that one. I love it. So I guess." like breaking this
0: down for somebody to like the listeners to really grasp onto this, you went in a, like it's very important to overall know what the banks are going to be able to lend to you. Yeah. Like know the numbers and build the relationships with the banks. So, you know, like how you guys can add value to each other, how it can actually work out because that's your end strategy. You need to kind of like work backwards in this case to see who I can get the loan from. And how long do I need to wait? Six months, a year? Can I do this next month after I purchase this thing? Like, what is it going to take to be able to get this cash out refinance and know the numbers to make it work? After that, it's getting these leads coming in, knowing your area and submitting these offers left and right. Once you pick up one, do whatever you need to do to get it to that top ARV condition and then take it back to the bank and, and make it happen.
1: Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's all a numbers game.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Brett, this is like so powerful. I, I appreciate the website. I I appreciate like your time and, and giving back to the listeners. There's so much good stuff right here. Is there anything that you would like leave the listeners with that might be just getting started or maybe have a dozen deals under their belt and they're trying to figure out instead of wholesaling now, they're trying to figure out maybe the burst strategy.
1: Honestly, yeah, it's a learning curve one way or the other. You're sure. gonna your first one sometime. Might as well jump on it and learn now instead of just overthinking it for the next few months before you do it because I mean that that's what my issue was yep you, you gotta learn and you know after you do your first one you're gonna learn a whole lot so you'll be able to take it into the second one and you should have confidence you know as long as you make a little bit of money you should have confidence going into the next one
0: Brett you and I are way too similar I, I promise you like I have the same exact mindset the first two years of trying to get started I, I was studying four hours a day every single day for two years submitting offers left and right out here in San Diego. But I was uneducated. I was trying to compete against like all cash, real investors, like all cash, no contingencies, high prices. But I got to the point, I was like, if I fail, I'd rather fail sooner than later. So let's get to the point. Like, let's just start submitting offers. And I don't care. Like, I'm running my numbers. I know it's like 70, 80, 95% 95% of what you're listing it for whatever but here's my reasonings for it this is what makes it work for me yes no maybe so I'll follow up with you like you know whatever
1: yeah. it is yeah yeah the follow-up's the big thing yeah I've had numerous deals that came I have one that I'm closing next week that I started talking to the guy in May of last year I love it and in that time the ARV's gone up
0: $30,000 what <laughs> I love that good stuff Man, there's power behind the follow-up. There's power behind the mindset, getting that right, and make sure that you are educated. But then take action. Don't let anything hold you back. Uh, dude, I appreciate you so much. How can people get a hold
1: of you? You want my email? Probably the best. Yeah, whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, probably reach out on Facebook. That's probably the best way to do it. What's your social? No, right. <laughs> I almost I got it from that, you for a second. <laughs> <media>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just we'll find you one way or another. <laughs> yeah, man, reach out on Facebook. It's Brett, B-R-E-T with one T. Last name is Beeman, spelled like be a man. Okay. I love it. I love that. That's powerful. <laughs> yeah, man. That's
0: awesome. I appreciate you so much. There's so much great content in this. I know the listeners are going to find a ton of value in this. Make sure you guys... Reach out to Brett and uh, if, if you can't put it together by yourself, reach out to him. He's a great guy and uh I'll definitely guide you in the right direction. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to me, you can always do so at brandonelliotinvestments.com. Otherwise, Instagram Brandon Elliott Investments and then Facebook.com Brandon R E I. So you can you can reach out to me on there. Let me know you know how much value you guys find in this by leaving a review on iTunes preferably. They have their own special algorithm. Hit that subscribe button as well so you get the newest notification every single Monday. And there's going to be more value just like this. We get some of the best rockstar real estate investors nationwide, worldwide even, to be able to give their time back and really help the listeners out. So I appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave a review, let me know how you guys feel about this one. And always, you can reach out to me. We'll take it from there. I will see you guys next week. Brett, you're the man. Talk to you guys soon. Brett, appreciate it. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining.
1: Until next time, God bless.